The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the longest-running Internet radio program in America, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, a comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the sixth consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress through the 2016 season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the sixth consecutive year of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight as we start off the 2016 Major League Baseball season talking about the Cleveland Indians, and the Cincinnati Reds. And, of course, we could never do that without our resident Reds expert. Let's go down south and bring back on to our UltimateSportsTalk.com radio microphones, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you now? Dave, things are great, and I wish you that reverent, of all reverent holidays, happy spring training. <laughs> you know, it, I don't know what it's like down there, but today... It hit a high of 62 degrees. I went outside in shorts and a hoodie, and it felt like baseball weather. Well, you know, the weather down here, and I don't want to digress too much into weather, but for the next 17 days, according to the forecast, we are going to be at 65 degrees or above here, which is amazing at this early in March. And then when opening day hits on April 4th, it'll, snow. it'll probably be 30. That's right. Exactly. Un- unbelievable. Boy, a lot has happened since we bowed off of the show last year, Mark. Boy, the, the Reds, they finished up 64-98 and 98 a year ago, last place in the National League Central. First time they've ever done that since we've been doing this show, Mark, and a 12-game difference from 2014. Yeah, they've made a lot of trades. They've gotten rid of some people, brought in some youngsters. This is going to be an entirely different outlook for this year for the Reds. Yes, and as bad as their record was bad last year, they were really worse than their record indicated. <laughs> that, that was not a good team. And who knows the chemistry of a baseball team, but with the players they had at, at, during the season, you think about the, the players that left that they had at the beginning of the year, and the players that were still there at the end of the year. I mean, they had Todd Frazier, they had Brandon Phillips, they had Suarez, they had Votto, they had Bruce. They still had those guys on the team, and they finished last place. So things, the wheels came off last year. But uh, I'll get into more detail about why I feel this way. But, you know, I don't think the Reds are going to be as bad as all the experts uh, have indicated. They believe they're going to be that bad. I, I just don't think they will be. So we'll get into why I think that in a few minutes, but uh, what's your general take on the offseason the Indians had? Well, boring, boringer, and boringest. I mean, about the only move that they made was they gave a promotion to general manager Chris Antonetti. He's now the team president, taking over for Mark Shapiro. And their new general manager is Michael Chernoff, who was responsible for really doing absolutely nothing this winter other than making some free agent signees, which we'll get into it. The most reputable signee probably you could look at is Mike Napoli, who came back to be reunited with Terry Francona from the days when he played for the Boston Red Sox. But the Indians a year ago, they finished 81-80. and They were third in the Central Division, four and a half games out of the wild card game but they had a six-game difference from their season in 2014. It Everybody seems to think that this Indians team is going to be outstanding and can contend for the playoffs. I have yet to see, Mark, where they can actually do that. Well, we're going to start off the season by disagreeing, David. I think they can do it. I, I think the Indians are on paper, and who knows what's going to happen with injuries and uh, performances during the season. But I'd certainly much rather have the Indians roster right now than the Reds roster. Now, I may not say that by the end of the year, but right now, 
if you were to go down player by player uh, and look at the experience level, as they say, look at the back of the bubblegum card, it seems to me the Indians have much more depth. Their pitching clearly is superior to that of the Reds. And I do think the Indians, uh, you know, I'm a Kansas City Royal fan. I really am. Uh, I like what they did. I don't think they're going to do it again. I think so many things went right with that team last year. Uh, I, I think they can be picked off. Uh, the White Sox have improved, uh, and the Indians, I think, are right there given their pitching. The question with the with the Indians I have is the, the amount of power they have, and their defense is a lot better than it was two or three years ago, to, for sure. So all in all, no team is perfect. But who would you rather have in the in the central at this point, aside from a defending world champion? Uh, I don't know what your take is on, on the Royals, but do you think the Indians match up with Kansas City? No. I, as far as the bats are concerned, I don't think they match up with the Royals. As far as the gloves are concerned, I don't think they match up with the Royals. Where mm-hmm. I think they are better than Kansas City is the starting pitching. I think they're better there. But I also think the Royals have a better bullpen. So when you look at those four aspects of the game of baseball, I think the Indians come out short in three of them. Well, they they might. But if you were going to start a team, any team, uh, you want to have good starting pitching. That, that's the, the groundwork, the bulwark of in, any team. And the Indians have that. Now, the bullpen, clearly, I think uh, the Royals maybe have the best bullpen in baseball. And to me, that's why they won the, the division in the World Series. Uh, offensively, uh, I think Cleveland matches up. Where, where Cleveland falls off offensively is speed. Uh, the Royals have tremendous team speed, and but I, I think it's closer than you may think in terms of the overall skill sets. And uh, again, I look at the roster. I look at the 25-man roster, and it's always hard to do that this time of year. But I was looking at the Royals, looking at the Indians, and, and I, I think they're closer than you might give them credit for. Well, you mentioned that, and Terry Francona enters his fourth year as Indians manager, signed an extension last year to keep his, him as manager of the Indians through the 2020 season, and he talked earlier today about the status of the Indians starting pitching. Uh, my goal is opening day. Uh, if it's not opening day, it's any- We're very excited. You know, Kluber's won a Cy Young, and because of the way he works and his routines, we don't see him going anywhere soon which is good. You know, we've seen Carlos Carrasco now turn into one of one of the better handful of Major League starters, and we still think he can get better. Same thing with Danny Salazar. Doesn't have a lot of Major League experience, but he's still getting better. And then you had, you know, Josh Tomlin or Cody Anderson. Uh, you know, it, it starts to get pretty exciting. Trevor Bauer still has room to grow. So I think that's the biggest thing is we think our guys have room to get better. Well, you can tell it's the first show of the year. I already goofed up the soundbite. That first one was Michael Brantley, which we'll get back to here in a little bit. But the second one was Francona talking about how excited he is about the Indians starting pitching. And, Mark, they've got two, four good starters. And like Francona said, in Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar, and Trevor Bauer, that fifth spot battle is going to come down to Cody Anderson, Josh Tomlin, TJ House, They've got about four guys that they could throw into that battle for the fifth spot in the rotation. Do you see the Indians doing anything at the end of spring training to pick up that fifth starter? No. I think they're going to go with what they've got. I think if they were going to do something, they would have done something during the winter, and they just didn't seem to have any inclination about, A, trading some of their starting pitching to get a power bat, and, B, even trying to strengthen the starting rotation. I think they're convinced they've got what it takes. I think they, I, I really think they're leaning on that number five spot towards Josh Tomlin and sending Cody Anderson back down to the minors. Now, Cody was a big reason they finished where they did last year. He came up and did just an outstanding job for the Indians, but I really think they want to give that fifth spot to Josh Tomlin, which means, Mark, that all five of their starters will be right-handed, which is almost completely different than what the Reds may have in their starting rotation this year. Yeah, and I think that's overrated, frankly. Uh, I don't think you have to have a, that combination left-right at the start. If, if you have good starting pitching, it doesn't matter, 
if they're left or right, they're good. And uh, I think that's that's an overrated statistic or, or, or overrated uh, goal for a starting rotation. Where I think it does come into play is in your bullpen, where you have you need that. I'd love to have three left-handers in my bullpen, and the Reds have a chance to do that. Uh, but the Reds also, with uh, Cody Reed and uh, Sengrani uh, as a possible starter and Brandon Finnegan, uh, these guys are, are pretty tough, and uh, I, I think you're going to find at least one of them, and maybe two, uh, in the starting rotation. Now, last year, your favorite whipping boy was Robert Stevenson. What's he doing right now? He's pitching very well, is what he's doing, and I think he's going to make the starting rotation. I think it's time. Uh, I would be disappointed if they don't give him a shot. Uh, this idea of keeping these guys in the minors till they're 35 years old is absurd. And he's certainly got the physical stamina and experience at AAA, AA. He's, he's, he's done well. Uh, he, he hasn't dominated. But if you look at the numbers behind the numbers, uh, it's like uh, uh, most pitchers, there, there are win-loss records, uh, and then there are the real statistics of how they have pitched. A win-loss record is probably the worst evaluator of a pitcher's effectiveness. So I think he is going to be ready to go this year. And, and the Reds, as I said, I, I, you know, getting more specific about the Reds, uh, every magazine, every article I have seen, every writer has picked the Reds as the 28th, 29th, or 30th team in Major League Baseball. That means they're at the bottom of their division, but they're also at the bottom of Major League Baseball. I mean, they have, they have finished 30th out of 30 teams, uh, on several of the uh, articles I have read, and, and I, I have not seen one where they're above 28th. So there's there's low expectations, and uh, when you have low expectations, you can play reasonably bad ball by normal standards, but exceed expectations. And I think the Reds will do that. I really do. I think they've got uh, they have decent starting young pitching. Uh, they have good team speed. They got good defense. The big question mark, and the team that will, the, the the thing that will make this team go from really really bad, which they were last year, to mediocre, which does not sound like much, but if the Reds are going to play 500 this year, it's going to come from their offense. And the Reds, in my opinion, they're going to hit a lot of home runs, but they're also going to strike out a whole bunch. And if they can cut down on their strikeouts, this team could hit 100. And 60, 170 home runs uh, with the, the with power they have in that lineup. Uh, but the problem will be that many of them will be solo home runs, and you'll have a guy like Jay Bruce go one for five and hit a home run. Uh, that There could be a lot of that with the Reds this year. Mark, let's talk about where the Indians are solid at manager. Francona, as I said earlier, is going to be their manager for at least the next four years. But Brian Price of the Reds, is entering his third season. Last year, not a good year. Our producer, Greg Mitchell, tweeted Lance McAllister of 1530 ESPN down in Cincinnati a week ago, and McAllister took his tweet and ran with it about how Greg feels the Reds should actually give Price a two-year extension if they are going to buy into this rebuild program that they've got going under Walt Jockety. Now, how do you feel about that, considering the fact that if you don't give him the extension, how do you actually ascertain his job as a manager this year? Well, I don't think those two things are necessarily related. Uh, he's a smart guy. I think he went to Stanford. Uh, he's a very bright guy. He knows he has to perform this year to keep his job. If I were the Reds, I would not give him an extension. I'd want to see at least go to the halfway point this year and find out if the Reds are playing good ball, and there is a future there, and they've made good decisions on the, you know, on the field and in the front office of the players they have picked. But I would wait uh, until midseason to see how the team is going. What you don't want to do is give a guy a two-year extension this year that would take him into 17 and 18, and then have the team lose 110 games, which is not out of the realm of possibility. If Joey Vada goes down or they're, they're starting pitching craters, this team has every chance to lose 110 games. 
and you don't, you can't extend a manager with that kind of on-field performance. You just can't. It would send the wrong message to the fans and the wrong message to the young players that, hey, losing is okay, guys. You know, just hang in there. Do I blame Brian Price? I do not. I think it's the front office that has caused this problem. Uh, but I would not renew him now. I'd probably do it. Again, if they're playing playing well at the All-Star break, then you might consider doing that. Do you think that the front office is sold on price? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think anybody does, but the front office does know. And I think even their own opinion internally uh, may change between now and, and the All-Star break. Uh, I think clearly there are questions. Is he the right guy? But they're probably smart enough to know that he's been given a bad hand. Uh, he's been given players who are on the downward track in terms of their their own career performances. And then, of course, they decimated the, the roster last year. And so you can't blame Brian Price for that. And they had the injury bug. And there's other excuses. And, and, and. But the team has to win. And the first guy to go when they don't is the manager. So I, I'm, I'm not certain they are sold on Brian Price yet. Uh, yeah, it, it sounds petty, but that's, that meltdown he had last year with, with what, the 57 F-bombs or whatever, that bothered me only, not that he said it, not that he said the word, but he lost control. And that, to me, was the wrong message to send to your players, that you're completely out of control and you let a, 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 a reporter get to you that much where you, you lose control and it just didn't look good. So I really think that may have had something to do with him not being renewed. At the same time, everybody was frustrated. They all got that. So in answer to your question, did the, is the front office sold on him? No, I don't think so. Well, I'll tell you another guy that's not sold on him either, and that's Pete Rose. Pete Rose was also on 1530 ESPN down in Cincinnati, this time with Mo Egger about a week and a half ago, and Pete talked about how he dislikes having pitchers, ex-pitchers, as managers. I don't know if you want to call it old school or what you want to call it. I just don't want to hire a pitcher as a manager. I just don't want to hire a pitcher as a manager. I don't think most pitchers know how to play the game. They didn't play the game. They threw the ball. If you look at baseball today, Mo, and I don't know what the exact number is, but there's probably anywhere from 10 to 14 managers in big league baseball today that are catchers. Catchers make good managers because during the game, they run the game. They understand pitching. Now, you know what's ironic about that statement that Pete just made, Mark, is that the fact that when the Phillies won the the World Series with Pete playing first base back in 1980, Dallas Green was the manager and he's a former pitcher. Yeah, but I, I understand what Pete is saying. I don't think um, I agree with it necessarily. It is an understandable point of view, and it is probably old school. Uh, there are managers out there. Uh, there are pitchers out there I think would be good managers. But uh, Bud Black, I think, is a very good manager. He didn't win a lot, but he, he had a bad team. But I, I wouldn't blame him for that. Uh, I guess if I had my druthers, I would want an everyday player. That, to me, that's the big difference. It's not that they haven't played uh, a position necessarily, but when you're an everyday player, you are in every game. And when you're a pitcher, you're in every fifth game. So you're you're playing uh, m- much fewer baseball games than uh, a guy who's playing first base like Joey Votto. But it, it's interesting when you when you look at the position players, uh, there's an equal number of players from every position who have become managers. And the only aberration to that is the pitching. You know, most pitchers don't manage. And I think Pete has a point, but frankly, baseball is not that tough to figure out whether you're a pitcher, a catcher, an outfielder. It just isn't. I mean, there are some guys who played – high school ball or coached in high school or college. There there are some managers in college that are really good managers. They they really know the game. They'll never get a chance because they didn't play in the big leagues. But 
from a baseball purist perspective, knowing the game, knowing when to hit and run, knowing when to bunt, all those things, sitting behind the runner, it, it just isn't that tough. So I think Pete may be over emphasizing that aspect of it. I, I think pitchers can be good managers, and uh, that wouldn't stop me from hiring one. Mark, for the Indians, the positions that they realistically have open right now are third base, left field, center field, and right field. Although right field probably is solidified with Lonnie Chisenhall out there. Third base, I really didn't think they needed Juan Uribe. You've seen National League Baseball more than I have, although I I love watching the National League. I've watched Juan Uribe play over the last couple of years. Please tell me what he is going to bring to the Indians that they didn't already have. Oh, I think depth. Uh, I don't think he's going to be an everyday player to that extent. Uh, I don't think he's a bench player. I mean, I think he'll play three, four games a week. Uh, he's a veteran presence in the dugout, in the locker room. Uh, I, I'd like to have him. He makes contact. He's a good defensive player. Uh, he's not a superstar. Uh, if he hits 265, 275, 12, 15 home runs, uh, drives in 60, 70 runs, I think that's a good year from him. And so I don't think they're expecting much more than that, uh, unless you do. I don't know why he would not be a welcome addition to any roster, which the Reds had him. I think the Reds could use a guy like that. But uh, he's not going to be a superstar, that's for sure. Well, what bothers me is, and you mentioned it earlier, and I've talked about it now for a couple of years with Francisco Lindor, the Indians have got Giovanni Urshela, who came up last year in June and solidified that third base spot. He did just an outstanding job for the Indians. He's a youngster. He's 23 years old. Excellent defensive third baseman. And now they bring in Juan Uribe and they say they're going to take Urshela and put him back down in the minor leagues because he needs more seasoning. This is the type of thing that just drives me nuts about the Indians. And you mentioned it earlier about the Reds. How much more seasoning does this guy need? He played three quarters of the year last year and did a bang-up job for the team. Well, I think that's why Uribe is there. Uh, you know, if they send this kid down for a month, uh, like the Cubs did with uh, their third baseman last year, what's his name? Um, Bryant. Bryant, yeah. They they kept him down there. I don't think uh, Ursela is that guy. He's not that talented. But uh, what's wrong with sending him down and, and letting him get his feet wet again in AAA, uh, it's clear that he's a talent that they're going to bring up. But if he were to fail, you've got Uribe there to back him up. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, see what drives me crazy is he's already proven himself. He may not prove. He may not. He, he's already been up on the team. He's already done a good job. He's proven himself defensively. He's proven himself to be the same type of ball player, as far as I'm concerned. The one Uribe is going to be for the Indians, a 250-260 hitter. But when you've got, I'm going to use an analogy that a high school basketball coach told me one time. When you've got two players, if one's a senior and one is a sophomore, you and they have equal talent, you've got to go with the sophomore because you've got more time for him to improve his game and become a better ball player. In this case, you've got Urshela that is just as good a ball player as Uribe is right now. But they're going to send him down, and like I said about Lindor last year, you're taking an oppor- you're taking a chance on ruining this kid's psyche. Yeah, but what do you have to lose? By There's two different issues here. Should uh, Ursela be on the roster, the, the 25-man roster? That's issue one. But what is wrong with having Uribe around just in case he falls on his face? I don't have a problem with that, but the Indians have already said Uribe is their starting third baseman and Urshel is going down. Well, maybe that's the case for now, but who knows what's going to happen through spring training. Uh, and they're, obviously, they're, they're taking it careful with him. They don't want to put him in to the fire too quick. Uh, I, I don't think that that is, on an everyday player, uh, you, you're putting a lot of pressure for a kid to come in there. I know he had a decent second half last year, but he didn't, you know, he didn't kill the ball. He didn't, he wasn't an all-star. He was a good effective player for the time he was up. But uh, you know what you've got in your rebate. You don't know what you have in this kid. 
and to put the the starting mantle on him coming out of spring training, I think is too much. Well, and another thing that the Indians have to try to overcome this year is the center field position. Now, Abraham Almonte was supposed to be the Indians' starting center fielder this year, but he is not going to be because he's been suspended for the first 80 games of the year thanks to a banned substance, PED use. Crazy situation. So now the Indians are caught with who plays center field, especially with Michael Brantley out for possibly the first month of the season with the shoulder surgery, and we'll get into that here in just a second. But you've got two possibilities, Mark. You've got Rajay Davis, who they signed from the Detroit Tigers. He could play center field, but he's really not a center fielder. He's a 35-year-old journeyman ball player, played part-time for the Tigers. Last year he hit 258, 30, or, uh, eight home runs, 30 RBIs. He's not the answer in center field. Or they could go with one of their former number one draft picks who went two for three today in the ball game, Tyler Naquin. He could slide into that center field spot. And as the Reds announcer the other day, or the Indians announcer, I'm sorry, Tom Hamilton made the comment the other day, Naquin may grab that center field position, run with it, and we may never hear from Almonte again. That's the danger that Almonte has put himself into as far as being an everyday ball player with the Indians. My hope is the Indians are pushed into a situation where they've got to keep Tyler Naquin up here and he takes over that center field job. Well, I've got I've got a solution for you. Oh, great. Here we go. Another trade. Another trade. Uh, Billy Hamilton for Trevor Bauer. No. Oh, come on, Dave. No. Sorry. Man, I thought I had won't, you there. Won't do that one. Matter of fact, let's talk about Billy Hamilton. Okay. How much is he playing into this rebuilding project with the Reds? Well, I, I think it's a short rope at this point. Um, you just can't – the team has lost horribly with him in center field, despite the fact he's averaged over 50 stolen bases a year. In fact, I think it's over 60. But he gets hurt every year. He's been hurt uh, at the end of each of the last two seasons. He plays stellar defense. <clears throat> he can steal you a base. But in my opinion, the kid's never going to hit. Uh, I wish he'd go back to hitting just right-handed. Uh, he doesn't need that extra step uh, from the left-handed batter's box, and it's clear he, he's not comfortable hitting left-handed. I've switched it my whole life, and uh, he, he doesn't have that natural twist when he hits left-handed. He, he punches the ball, and because he punches it with his hands, uh, he, he doesn't get his forearms into it. He, he's slow to the ball, which means he pops up a lot. He gets he, the, the bat drops. He doesn't do that right-handed. He, he squares the ball much better, and I don't know why they're making him do that. He even said he wanted to go back to hitting right-handed uh, full-time. But I, I think this is the year that was, and it, do, it doesn't mean that there's not a spot for him on the Reds roster. He could be a defensive specialist at the end of each game. He could steal you a base. Uh, if, he, if, he, if he pitch runs every game, he'll, he'll be fresher, number one. He could steal 50 to 60 bases a year coming off the bench. And then playing defense, something wrong with that. That would be a great asset to have. But he, his on-base percentage was 275 last year. I mean, that, that's unbelievable for your leadoff hitter. You can't have that. So this is the year that was for Billy Hamilton, in my opinion. And uh, the Reds have some out, outfield talent they could put out there, including the guy they got from the Dodgers, uh, Peraza, uh, Piazza. Peraza. How am I saying that wrong? Peraza. <laughs> It's a, uh, Peraza. Yes, Peraza. So he, he's the guy who could play center field, and I think he would be a much better offensive player than Billy Hamilton. But uh, in answer to your question, I don't think he's the answer to, for the Reds, frankly. Uh, the, the bigger question is, okay, you won't take Billy Hamilton. How about, how about Jay Bruce? No. David, you're being unreasonable. No, I'm not being unreasonable. I, I We've got enough. We've got enough of those guys, including Carlos Santana. We don't need Bruce and Santana back-to-back -back in the lineup. Don't need it. He'll hit you 30 home runs. 
So does Carlos Santana. The problem is Carlos Santana hits 30 home runs and drives in 60. You know, and that's exactly what Jay Bruce does. You're awfully picky. Actually, Jay Bruce drove in almost 80 runs last year, but he did hit 218. I, I, I have to concede that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Reds do with Jay before the end of the spring training session because, uh, as you well know, he was involved with supposedly a number of trades, and it didn't work. So uh, what do you do with that kid? I mean, he's he's still a young man. What twenty? I think he's only twenty-seven or twenty-eight years old, and here he is. His, his career, uh, with so much promise, is at a crossroads. If this young guy, he's still in his twenties, hits two ten, two fifteen a year, I mean, you're talking about a journeyman player now. It'll be three years in a row where he had awful years, and uh, that's the kiss of death. Mark, this this rebuilding project that the Reds are in appears to be, it's almost convoluted. It's it's almost lopsided is how I want to put it because they have completely restructured the pitching staff with the exception of Homer Bailey, who will be back this year sometime before June. But the batting order relatively stays the same without Todd Frazier in it. So you've got a team right now that once the pitching matures, then the hitting is what's going to be old for this team. Well, you know, I, I have a different take on that. <clears throat> and I, I, I'm a big uh, – I liked Todd Frazier a lot. But Todd Frazier was a 250, 255 hitter. Hit a lot of home runs. Uh, didn't drive in, I don't think, enough runs. He, he struck out way too much. And he could look so bad. For, he, he could go a month. And it looked like he was playing college baseball. I think with Suarez at third, this kid, you know, he's a young man. He's only 24 years old. Former shortstop. They moved him over the third. And I saw him play the other day, and one game is not definitive about somebody's defensive ability. But he made two or three terrific plays at third base. And he, he's hitting the, that's the heck out of the ball. And uh, I, I think this guy can hit. He hit 19 home runs last year. I think he'll hit 25 or 30 home runs. And he's going to make a, a lot more contact than Todd Frazier. So I think from if you look at it position position, I don't think the Reds are weakened at all by the Todd Frazier departure. I think they may be strengthened. Uh, I think this kid is a better defensive third baseman than Todd Frazier. And I think he'll make more contact. And he'll probably have a much higher batting average. I think he'll hit 275, 280. And he'll probably hit as many home runs. This guy can hit 25, 30 home runs. And what was interesting when I saw him play over the weekend, this kid, I'll tell you, he went to the weight room. He is, his body has changed as dramatically as I can remember a player changing one year to the next. Last year, he had a shortstop body. He was a little, you know, a little thick for a shortstop. But he, he was told, hey, pal, you're going to be playing third base and we want you to start jacking the ball. He looks like he's gained 25 or 30 pounds to me. Now, this was on TV. I've not seen him live. But he's he's clearly been in the weight room. And I saw him jack two out of uh, a field I played in out there. And he, he really, he's a man. I mean, he he really balked up. And uh, it's kind of interesting to see what he'll, he'll do this year because, again, he, he's capable of 25, 30 home runs. What do you think is going to happen with Brandon Phillips? Uh, that's a good question, and <clears throat> there's no good answer, frankly. Uh, I think what could happen is that Brandon Phillips, uh, he, wants to, he wants to retire a red, and I understand that. Uh, he, he's been here for a long time. He's been a great second baseman. I'm a big fan of Brandon Phillips. And last year he had a terrific year. Uh, can he do it again? I don't know. But if the Reds get off to a poor start, uh, I, I don't see him wanting to stay around and go through it again this year and next. So he may, you know, pick a spot for himself where he can he can help a team get into the World Series. Uh, he would be well remembered by Reds fans. He's he's a very very popular player down here. Uh, but uh, why he turned those trades down? I mean, I, gosh, he could have gone to Washington with that team. Which is a perennial favorite, although they've not they've not produced and uh, reunited himself with Dusty Baker. Yeah, exactly. There were so many reasons that deal, at least on on on, on the surface, made sense. Uh, 
uh, I can't believe that, you know, for an extra million or two dollars, which sounds like a lot, but in his world is not, would he turn down that kind of opportunity to be in a World Series champion? I, I just don't understand. I agree with you. Why he ever turned that deal down? I'd also like to know what happened to the deal with Toronto for Jay Bruce. Well, the, the story here was that the player that was coming to the Reds, and they wouldn't announce who it was, it was a minor leaguer, that he failed his physical. And the Reds did not want that, I guess, damaged goods coming back to them, although, I mean, you're, you're giving up Jay Bruce and you're giving up a $13 million contract. Uh, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have made that deal, despite maybe the guy being injured or, and, unless he was, you know, not, not able to walk. Uh, but if it was something that would heal, you know, I would have made that deal. But uh, the Reds were the ones who turned it down. Well, I want to talk more about the Indians and what they did over the winter just in a second. But you're listening to the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Mark, I've got a trivia question for you. Not going back in time. No. This This is a current major league manager. Can you tell me? I was hit with this question the other day, and I was actually dumbfounded. That's why I'm asking you tonight. Can you tell me who the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies is? <laughs> um, it's hard. It's not Sandberg. Uh, no, it's not. He I, quit about midway through the season yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, one of his bench coaches. No, it's not. Really? <laughs> I give up already. I don't know. Pete McKinnon. Oh, yeah, McKinnon. Yeah. 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 He, he's the manager of the Phillies. Now, the only reason I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Bleacher Report actually ranked the managers from number 30 to number 1. The last manager, number 30, Mark, was Brian Price, just ahead of Pete McKinnon. Jeez. Do you know who the number one manager was, according to Bleacher Report? Mm. I'll give you a hint. Mm -hmm. It's between Joe Madden, Bruce Bochy, and Terry Francona. I'd say Francona. They said Joe Madden. Yeah, that's, that was my initial and, thought, but since you brought, you added him to the list, I picked him. Yeah, but I only he, took, I only put Francona in there because those were your top three. Yeah. Madden one, Bochi two, Francona three. Did you, did you see the quote that, uh, that Madden had for this rookie this year that came in <laughs> into camp? I forget who, who the kid was. They, they brought a rookie up and, uh, uh, the kid said, uh, something like, He's trying to suck up to his manager. Oh, Mr. Madden, uh, is, is there anything you want to tell me? And Madden says, yeah, don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into our predictions here in about three weeks. But I think the Cubs right now, if they can solidify their starting pitching mark, which really, really and truly is kind of the biggest question mark they have, I, I think they're the team to beat. Well, yeah, but they are the Cubs. And I, 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 I'm not trying to be sarcastic <laughs> about it, but the team has had other times in their illustrious career of failure uh, where they're supposed to be you know, a very, very good team and, and something always happens. And, you know, it's funny – People over the years have asked, why is it a team like the Cubs have not won a World Series since 1908? Okay, that, that's a long time not to win over 108 years not to win a World Series. Now, the, the arguments have been, well, bad luck, the curse, all these things, but some more logical explanations have been they play too many day games. And because they play so many day games, they play, they play far and away more day games than anybody else. That that saps the team's strength, and playing in the sun is, is more difficult than playing at night. Uh, I don't know if that's true, 
I've played enough baseball games to know that you do get more tired when you're playing in 90-degree heat every day as opposed to playing at, you know, 72 degrees at night. But you think about that organization and the money they have and the fan base they have, the great players that have come through that organization, and they never win. They never win a World Series. And it really is kind of uncanny that you could go that many years and, and not – trip into a World Series that you're going to win. So are they a great team? Not yet. On paper, they're a good team. Uh, Have they proven anything yet? No, they haven't. Can Chris Bryant have the kind of year he had last year again? Maybe. It's not been proven yet. I guarantee you there's a whole new book on him. The other 29 pitching staffs have. So when they play the Cubs, he's not going to see the same pitching this year that he saw last year. I promise you that. And the other, Soler and the other guys they have on that on that roster, they're in for a rude awakening second time through with, with, with Major League pitching staffs. So are they good? Yeah. Do I think they're going to win? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Mark, there are four players I want to talk about on the Indians here tonight. First of all, Michael Brantley. If the Indians could not afford to have an injury to one of their players, it's Michael Brantley. He's been their most consistent player over the last two years. He's been their best defensive outfielder. He has been the heart and soul of this Indians team, but he may miss the first month of the season because of shoulder surgery, and he spoke to the media earlier today about that injury and when he expects to be back. Uh, my goal is opening day. Uh, if it's not opening day, it's any day after that. Um, I'm not going to sell myself short. I'm not going to, you know, pull up a day if I'm feeling good. And uh, whenever that day is, uh, and the training staff and the doctors clear me, I'll be out there with my teammate. I don't know when it's going to be. And, you know, every day I come, I check in with my trainers. I have a great, you know, program that I'm on. And uh, I feel great right now. I'm happy where I'm at. Mark, he hasn't played in a game yet. I don't even think he's even started throwing. He's one player that the Indians cannot afford to lose for very long. And why are you afraid that he would be lost? Is because of the re- result of last year's injury? Well, yeah, because of the surgery and how he hasn't even started throwing yet. Well, yeah, but there's that that was expected. I mean, I, I think you have to anticipate, just like the Reds anticipate Homer Bailey coming back, if everything is going smoothly, there's nothing to indicate that he won't be effective. And it's not like a pitcher. I think it's it's much harder for a pitcher to come back from surgery than it is an everyday player. Well, like I said, the, he's one player that the Indians just cannot afford to lose for very long. Well, don't don't be depressed, David. Don't 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 be negative. <laughs> it's early. Well, uh, I don't know be... who they're going to put. First of all, the Almonte suspension really threw this outfield into a tizzy because at least you had center and right figured out with. Brantley being gone and left, and you could sort of piecemeal everything together. I'll tell you a guy that the Indians are really going to miss this year, and that's Mike Avillis, who ended up signing a free agent contract with Detroit. I am shocked the Indians let him go. I was shocked that Avillis actually left the Indians, and I'm even more shocked that the Indians think that Juan Ramirez is going to be the guy to replace Avillis, there is no comparison between those two at all. I think Avillis is going to be the guy. Avillis really, Mark, was an everyday ball player. He just played in different positions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, another guy that I'm really interested in seeing what happens with this year was the so-called big free agent acquisition that the Indians made, and that was Mike Napoli. He'll be 34 entering the season. Last year he played in 133 games, but he was injured off and on most of the year. He had 18 home runs, 50 RBIs, and batted only 224 in playing for Boston and Texas last year. Mark, everybody seems to think that being reunited with Terry Francona is going to reinvigorate Napoli. He'll be the Indians' full-time first baseman. Santana's going to DH. I'm not excited about Napoli, but I'm not upset about Napoli being on this team either. 
I think he's a big, a good addition. I really do. I talked about this during the off season, and I was I was more supportive of him than than you were. But uh, I think he's the kind of guy who can solidify that that locker room and clubhouse. And uh, I think he was a big, a, a good pickup for you guys. Another guy, and you're going to know more about this guy than I do. I wasn't excited about getting him at all. These next two guys, I'm not excited about getting at all. Will Venable, what is he going to bring to this team? Well, you know, when he came up with San Diego, uh, this guy was going to be a superstar. I mean, he was he had power, he had speed, he was good defense, all those things, and uh, it, it never happened. So I don't rem- I didn't follow him last year that much. Uh, it's funny, you know you. I remember his father more than him, <laughs> which is kind of sad. But again, I, I don't think he uh, is taking up a, ro- a roster position for uh, you know, a blooming superstar you have in the minors, and he's a, he's a proven, solid uh, outfielder, and uh, I, I think he helps your roster. Is he the type of player that they can bring in for defensive purposes? Uh, yeah, but he can also give you some good at-bats. I mean, I, I've seen that guy, uh, well, he, and he played in San Diego. I don't know if he played there last year, but uh, he played there for a number of years. And, you know, you can have really good power in San Diego, and it doesn't matter uh, because that, that it's a big ballpark, and it, at night it's cool, and the ball does not travel well there. And uh, I, I thought he he hurt the Reds, I remember, a couple of games. He, he hit some big home runs against the Reds, so... Uh, you know, I, I like him as a pickup. I think he's uh, he's a good he's a good base runner. He's good on defense. He'll he probably won't hit more than two sixty, two seventy, and maybe ten, twelve home runs. So, uh, I think well, he did he did play for San Diego last year. He also played part of the year with Texas, but he played in one hundred and thirty five games, had a two forty four batting average, which is better than what Davis had and Napoli. He hit six home runs and drove home thirty three. RBIs. You're right. The Indians only signed him to a minor league contract with an invitation to the major league camp. I'm not upset about the Indians signing him. I think it's a waste of time. But he's one of these guys that I think the Indians will keep. Yeah, I, I think they, they will too. I mean, when you have an experienced major leaguer on your roster like that, he's not going to kill you on defense. Uh, and you know he can get hot. And uh, but but those stats. Well, pretty much what I would expect for him, and maybe a little higher. I think if he played more regularly, he'd be in the 250, 260 range. Which, you know, Dave, by the way, these days is an acceptable batting average in the major leagues, which is amazing. That if you hit 250, 260, there's, there's a home for you somewhere. Well, there is. Yeah, and it used to be you were a utility man. That's right, or, or you're in the minors. Correct. The last guy, I think, especially after today's performance, that the Indians will be getting rid of fairly soon, Jabba Chamberlain. I, I never could understand the fascination behind this guy. And had I been Mark Chernoff when I invited Jabba Chamberlain to the Indians, I would have told him two things. A, lose weight. B, shave the beard. Then come to training camp. I, was gonna, I have not seen him this year yet, but my first question, he's got that Pillsbury Doughboy body on him as a pitcher. And I don't understand why major league pitchers or major league players sometimes let this be an issue. Uh, why can't you get your butt in shape? You could make tens of millions of dollars a year just by eating less. And I don't understand it. And they don't work out. And Jabba Chamberlain has always been that guy. He'll come in, you know, and he'll strike out four guys in two innings and everything's great. And then he comes out and he gets hammered. And you, you you get excited about what you see in the short term, and then the results are never good, the bottom line results. When he was with the Yankees, remember when he came up, he was the next big thing. I mean, he was going to be the guy, going to be a superstar. And it never panned out, and it has never panned out for him. So uh, to me, that was a wasted spot, and I, you're, you're probably right. I don't know what he did today, but uh, if he got – belted around, it's probably, you know, his, his days are numbered. Well, ask and ye shall receive, Mark. His stats for today were extremely disappointing. He pitched one inning, gave up three hits, three runs, all earned, 
two walks and a home run. His ERA so far during spring training is 13.50. I don't think you're going to make a major league ball club, especially as an invitee, with those kind of stats. No, you're not. You're not. And that's the Indians are fortunate that they can invite guys like that in uh, for spring training, give them a look. And, but they're not relying on that guy, and that's why I like the Indians' chances this year because they have depth not only in the starting rotation but in the bullpen as well. I mean, it's a good pitching staff, and if you're not, you know, if you're not uh, throwing the ball really, really well uh, to to get that 12th or 13th spot on the rotation or on the pitching staff, it's just not going to happen. Well, and Danny Salazar had his second start today. He went three innings. They stretched him out one more inning. And he only gave up one hit, walked two, struck out two. He's done a good job, and the Indians ended up winning today over the Dodgers. But the Reds, they won today also, Mark, over the Angels. Uh, the final score in that game was 8-5. to five. And just taking a look at some of the stats for the Reds this afternoon, you talked about Peraza. Well, he went two for four today. Uh, they've also got a kid up named Pacheco that went two for three today. Joey Votto had a big day at the plate. He's hitting five fifty six on the season so far, Mark. So the Indian or the, the Reds I should say did a pretty good job. And Jay Bruce is hitting the baseball pretty well for the Reds. He's batting three sixty four. He went two for four today. Well like I said, the, the Reds have players on that roster. And here's the here's the big thing about the Reds. They have statistics on the back of baseball cards with the players on that roster, that could make them a, a certainly a competitive team. Now, the question is, are Jay Bruce, Joey Votto, Brandon Phillips, Zach Cozart, even Devin Mesoraco, they're going to have to have, if not career years, then really, really good years. And the, the, guy, the guy that I am intrigued by, well, there's actually two guys I'm intrigued by, and uh, they got both of them in, trades over the last year and let me get some stats up here but Adam Duvall who they came over from the Giants uh, I saw him last year in batting practice <laughs> this guy can launch the ball he, he is a really powerful guy and I think I see him in left field and if he can make contact I think he, he could be a right-handed hitting uh, Adam Dunn he's got that much power and the other guy is Scott Schleber from they got him from the Dodgers. And I saw him opening day of spring training, hit an opposite field home run at about four hundred and fifty feet. So those two guys you might see splitting up left field, left and right, uh, and maybe even Duvall giving Joey Votto some rest at first base. So they they've got that power I mentioned, but uh, if the Reds are gonna succeed this year, it's gonna be with their starting rotation and that's going to be De Scaflani, it's going to be Iglesias, it's going to be Lorenzen, Brandon Finnegan, and in my opinion, uh, Robert Stevenson. Then you got John Lamb backing them up, and Homer Bailey. So, uh, you know, the, the pitching isn't horrible, it's just unproven. And if the, if the Reds had the Indians pitching staff with their starting eight, uh, I think they would be a 500 team. But uh, so much, we're so early in the spring training, a lot will be determined in the next month. But, Dave, it's four weeks from today, opening day. That's right. Well, you brought up Duvall and, and Shebler. Duvall today started in left field. He went two for three, Mark, and hit a home run, solo shot. And Shebler was a DH today. He went two for four. Now, Duvall's hitting 462, and Shebler's hitting 308. But what? You know, those two guys you bring up, so they are hitting the ball. But Reed today started and pitched well. The left-hander that they got from Kansas City, he went three innings, gave up two hits, struck out one. Uh -huh. He's got an ERA right now, 1.80. And Jumbo Diaz, believe it or not, got the save. Well, there's a lot of familiar names in that roster, even though there's a lot of new guys, too. And um, this is the kind of thing that can turn around quickly for the Reds because what they've done they have added a tremendous amount of depth at the minor league level, which they did not have last year. In fact, they haven't had that in a number of years. That when somebody went down, they had nobody to bring up. There was nobody at AAA or even AA that had 
the, the kind of potential that you would want to bring him to the to the major leagues. That's not the case this year. It's going to be very interesting what this 25-man roster is going to be uh, at the end of spring training because they're going to have to put some guys who are pretty darn close to being major league ready back in AAA. And hopefully, you know, if the, if the Reds, again, if they could play 500 ball this year, uh, then next year you've got something really to look forward to. But, uh, again, so many things could happen between now and the end of spring training, like injuries, that you really can't predict it. Mark, a couple things I want to bring up before we round out this first show of the season. First of all, I looked into the attendance figures for the Reds, and I found something very, very intriguing. And that is in 2009, their lo- that was their lowest attendance figure ever at Great American Ballpark, 1.7 million. And that was the year before they ended up winning the division and losing in the uh, LDS to the Giants when they had the 2 nothing lead and ended up losing three in a row. No, I think that was so, in 2012 that happened, Dave, in, in, with the Giants. It was the Phillies. Well, they lost in 2010, too. Yeah, they lost in two, yeah, they lost to the Phillies. They got swept. Remember the no-hitter? Okay. That's right. That's right. You're right. Um, if they completely fall off the deep end this year... Could you see the attendance actually plummeting that bad? Uh, no. I, I think the difference this year will be there's going to be a curiosity factor. And I think the Reds are going to benefit attendance-wise because of that. Now, that, that'll wear off eventually. I mean, if they lose – you know, they, this team lost 14 games in a row at the end of the year this, last year. And if they were to start off that way this year, then I think you're going to – you know, people won't be curious to see them get their heads kicked in. But if they're playing exciting baseball, if they're running, they're playing good defense, getting good pitching, I think people will come out and, and want to see the young players. So they'll, they'll, the team will get the benefit of the doubt of excitement for a while. Now, that will run out if they get off to a horrible start. But uh, I think the Reds could draw a million eight, a million nine this year, maybe even two million if, they, uh, you know, if there's a lot of excitement going on. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up as we round out the show is – Major League Baseball gets closer and closer to implementing a clock, and this year they are going to give you a 30-second clock when pitching coaches or managers visit the mound. Do you like it or dislike it? I like it. Uh, I think a lot of that crap goes out. You know, they go out there and they they chit-chat and they get their – they do it because they want their, their bullpen guy to get loose. Well, get the guy up five minutes sooner, and that slows the game down. But the other thing they did – they shortened the commercials between innings, and I think that was a very good move uh, for Major League Baseball, and that is going to shorten the games unquestionably. Yeah, we've talked about that now for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. It was, the, the the games themselves aren't taking more time. It's when you add two and a half minutes of commercials between half innings that is taking the time. Mark, what are what are the Reds working on right now in this upcoming week in spring training? Well, you, you, the biggest thing here in the first couple of weeks of spring training, you want to start stretching out your pitchers and getting them beyond one inning and you know, make sure the injuries are under control. If guys are coming off the DL, you, you want to get them uh, you know, back into the swing of things. So, you know, Miserocco hasn't played yet, and he won't play for another week. But you, you making, you know, behind the scenes, they're doing a lot of working out and that kind of thing. So this is, this is more, let's check out the bodies and see, you know, where we are. And then they start, you know, toward the middle of March and the end of March, pitchers getting into three, four, five innings. So that's what they're working toward right now. That's the next goal. And I think that's what the Indians are working on also. Also, the last few years, the Indians have gotten off to slow starts in April. And I think you're going to see in the last week and a half of spring training this year, the Indians ramping things up and actually trying to win some ball games in that last week, week and a half. Mark, the Reds are going to be playing this week the Giants, Rangers, Rockies, Cubs, and Mariners. They're going to end spring training the same time the Indians do on April 2nd, and they're going to open up the regular season on the same day as the Indians on April 4th. The Indians are going to be playing the Mariners, Cubs, Padres, Rockies, and Royals this week in Arizona. Now, the Reds are going to open up with Philadelphia and Pete McKinnon and the Indians are going to open up on April 4th at home 
with Boston. So we've still got about three weeks to go before of opening day. I'm excited. I actually am. I, I was depressed at the end of last year, but I think with the, the, the excitement of these young players and uh, there is a glimmer of hope. And, uh, you know, you're, uh, there's a lot of things that the Reds fans can be excited about, uh, but that excitement could wane very quickly if these players are not what everybody anticipates them being. Six years, Mark. Can you believe we've lasted this long? I know. It's like a marriage, you know. We have our <laughs> fights, and uh, but we, we love each other, and we come back again year after year, Dave. That's right. Well, we'll talk to you again <laughs> next week, Mark. All right. Bye, buddy. All right. That's going to do it for this week's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, the first show of the season for 2016. Don't forget to join us again next week at 9 o'clock here on Ultimate Sports Talk. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Good night. The Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter. The barber and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially Willie Mickey and the Duke